here at ACO Radio, American Communications Online, or any affiliated stations or websites are not responsible for what guest hosts or call-ins may say. All programming is intended for informational and entertainment purposes only. Hello, world. This is T.J. Morris, and you're listening to T.J. Morris ET Radio, also known as ACO Radios and Cosmos Radios and Revolution Radios and all kind of places out there. We're on iTunes and Stitchers and iHeart and Spreaker, FM Radio, Blueberry and SoundCloud and all kind of places. So we appreciate you tuning in when we're sure that your time is very valuable, especially on this planet in today's time. So I hope all of you guys are looking forward to talking to Calvin Parker tonight. He's uh, from Capascacoola, Mississippi, and I'm very excited because his name's been a part of my life as long as I can remember, back to 1973, believe it or not, before we had Internet. So we're going to hear his story. A lot of my friends have had him on radio shows, and one of my friends on Facebook uh, helped him with his book, and Philip Mantle, so we want to give him kudos because Philip's a good guy, and uh, Calvin, as far as I know, uh, has a second book out, so he's going to introduce us to his story tonight, because that's what we do. We love to hear people's stories and explanations, and we especially love authors and publishers and people in my uh, business of just getting the word out and having a good time. So I hope you'll enjoy this. If you don't know who Calvin Parker is, uh, his story will tell you who he is. (laughs) So we'll all have a better understanding and see how he changed the world with his story coming forth. So, uh, great. Just a minute before I bring him on. Hold on. Okay, I'm back. Oh, my goodness. I have had a day of really disaster after another right now. i got water pouring out of my house under my foundation. Calvin Parker, you know what it's like to have a strange day. How are you? Can you hear me, Calvin? Oh, I can hear you fine. I'm doing great. How are you today? Besides oh, having a strange good. day. Thank you. <laughs> I apologize for the delay, but the dog was barking no at somebody coming to my house. It was it's over my leak, so I apologize. Just Calvin, I've looked forward to this my God since nineteen seventy four at least. So uh tell us about your strange day because uh we're gonna talk people may or may not know your name. Let's maybe I don't even know where to start. I'm so excited. Plus I've got emergencies happening around me with the water flowing out of my house. But tell me, it may be a you know, part of what we're supposed to do now, talk about water too. But I apologize to you in advance. Okay. I did. Okay, thank you. All right, love you. Okay, at least he looked at water tank's gone bad, so it's just flowing out of the water tank, so now we know that's what it is. Okay, water tank tank went bad. Oh my gosh, Calvin. I can't believe this has happened, but it's, you know, you get caught up in life, right? Life goes on when strange things happen in the world. So life goes on. (laughs) uh, For instance, we was just 
just just a little bit ago, I had a uh, about four o'clock. I said, I had somebody call and said, my boat's on fire. I'm in it. Can you come get me? And gosh, I didn't know if I was gonna. I knew I was gonna make it back, but it was a task. I just walked in the door myself. Wow. Well, thank you for making it because this is really important to me, and I didn't know. I've, I know you. You and I've talked, or not, not in person, folks. We've never met, but at least we tried to get in touch with each other, and it'd take me. And then I, you'd need me to email you so you could have it in writing, and you know, like sort of what to do, what time to show up, and all that. Oh yeah. You got. You got things coming up, like you said, busy, busy person, and life just goes on around us, folks. But we're going to be as real as we can because we both had some strange um, things happen and similar stuff. And uh, Calvin, do you have a middle name or do? Because we put Calvin Parker. That's what you know. Calvin Parker Pascal Gula. You know, actually, my middle my middle name's Ray. I never really use it except on. uh, contracts or checkbooks or something like that I Mm -hmm. actually I to be honest with you since 1973 I very seldom used my real name nobody I (laughs) I didn't know that yeah I lived in this neighborhood since before Katrina and up until I did the book nobody knew what my name was or anything I just didn't get out and circulate around. I didn't want to meet people. I didn't want nobody to know who I was. So I kept a low profile, stayed on the water, just kind of stayed to myself. I was a recluse, I guess. Yeah, that's the way I am. Unless, you know, I just, well, a lot of stuff happens to people like you and me. And, uh you know, we got a lot in common. You said that, and and I I've just read your email, and I was shocked. You know, because uh, are you married with children, or everybody's moved out of your house, and you're living on your boat alone now, or what's going on with you? No, I'm uh, I'm still married. I have one daughter. She lives in uh, Covington, Louisiana. Her husband is a dentist, and she's a dental hygienist. And uh, my wife, she, you know, we bump into each other sometime in the house here. I'm not (laughs) She'll she'll go to bed at 10 or 11 o'clock. Well, I'm getting up at 10 or 11 o'clock. So we don't really see each other just a whole lot because of the way my sleeping habits. Well, do you think what happened to you a long time ago had something to do with that or not? Well, I think it did, but I think it was mostly work. Because when this happened in 1973, I'm telling her age now. So when this happened in 1973, <laughs> I built my life at work. And that's all I've done, you know, up until uh, I had a stroke and two open heart surgeries in 2012. Whoa. Yeah. Wow. So you got more books and, coming out of you, huh? Besides this oh, gosh, interesting I, supernatural. I'm ready to write, write, do a fishing show. Oh. But going back to October 11th of 1973, for the people that don't know what happened, I had moved to Pascagoula, Mississippi. It's a little town in the Gulf Coast, right on the, in Jackson County, and went to work. This, uh, I was working in the oil field up until then, living in Laurel. 16 hours a day, seven days a week. 
and I was fixing to get married in November. Well, this was October. So, I, you know, I wanted to kind of settle down to a, a real life. And I've told somebody this before. All I've ever wanted out of life was get married, buy a house, have children, have grandchildren, retire and fish. But for some reason, it didn't work out quite that way. So I took this job at a shipyard in Pascagoula, Mississippi, with a friend of mine. And uh, I rented one of his rooms out. And my first day down, we went to work. We got off work, and he asked me, he said, let's go fishing for a while. Well, I thought that sounded like a pretty good idea. Thinking back over it now, I kind of wish I hadn't. So uh, we loaded up, and we went, and I said, well, Charlie, look, I don't have my fishing equipment with me. He said, well, you can use mine. Now, a man just don't borrow in the South. You don't borrow another man's fishing equipment. It's just a golden rule. So I agree. I didn't know that. Now, I you somebody you, else's. Yeah, you get you get more ahead just going in and getting his wife and leaving with her than you will his fishing equipment. Okay, okay. It's like his truck. You don't borrow somebody's yeah, truck either. Yeah, don't borrow their truck or their kids or their nothing else. You don't borrow this fishing equipment. You, <laughs> anything else is fine. So anyhow, we went by his house, picked up some fishing equipment. To make a long story short, we drove to uh, what we call the grain elevator here. And we tried them, and the bugs were so bad and all. We just finally, he said, look, I know a place at an abandoned shipyard that usually do pretty good, and the bugs are not so bad because the lights is not too bad there. Oh. So we went to what the old Shaw Peter shipyard. And it was abandoned. When we pulled up, I looked out across there, and I seen a no trespassing sign. I said, Charlie, look, <laughs> we can't go here because there's a no trespassing sign, and we'll go to jail. He said, I fish here all the time. Don't worry about it. I said, well, you're going to get Didn't have no security there. guard. They no, didn't have no, no security no. guard. Okay. It had been shut down quite a while, and... Uh, you could tell it because it was all kind of debris laying around. And I did ask him, how did all this junk get in here? They don't never clean it up. <laughs> he said, no, when the water comes in and it floods sometimes, it brings all this stuff in. And then when the mm. water leaves out, it just leaves it up here on the bank. And it was quite mm. a mess. So we parked the car. We was in my car. And we parked it uh, about 150 feet, 200 foot from where we was going to fish. We got our stuff and we waded out into this marsh and uh, made it to an old abandoned pier. Well, we was sitting on that pier. We pulled us up an old log and was sitting on that log on this pier. And I was looking across the water. Now, me just working in this shipyard, my mind was thinking there was a big Coast Guard cutter right across the water. It could have been a Noah ship, but it was a big ship. And I was thinking, now how does something get steel that you have to have a crane pick up and move float? And it just didn't make good sense to me. So I was sitting there watching that, and that's where my mind was. It really wasn't on the fishing. And I noticed some blue haze lights coming from behind me, reflecting out across the water. And you hmm. can see them reflecting kind of across the ship. 
and what I was thinking, you know, we're trespassing. It's the same mm. color line as the law has. Ah. Oh. Go to jail. That's what I was thinking. So I stood up and turned around and looked, and about that time Charlie did too. Well, by the time we got turned around, this bright light, I mean extremely bright, like a big spotlight just hit us, and it was blinded. And what that was, there was a craft sitting at the door opening on this craft, and this light was coming from the inside of it. It was blinded. There's no way I could sit here and tell you how bright it was. And it was so bright that we kind of squinched our eyes, we didn't see what was coming next. We could make some figures out coming toward us, but you know, you couldn't really tell what it was. But when they got there, and I call these the big ugly creatures, where two of them got a hold of Charlie and one got a hold of myself. They, these was robotic looking creatures, I'm sure. They had kind of a grayish skin, their heads set down. They didn't have a neck, they looked like their head just sat down on their shoulders. Well, these things, one of them got a hold of myself, two of them got a hold of Charlie, and uh, I felt, immediately felt an injection of some kind. And this is when uh, I just kind of relaxed because I was hunting a place to run up until then. So when he injected me with whatever he injected me in, they picked us up and they glided, or he picked me up, and I didn't see Charlie no more after this, Glad to be into the uh, door of this craft, which looked to be about a hundred foot long, and uh, we just got up to the door. And I remember looking inside to see where that light was coming from, see if I could see some light fixtures or something. But this light was coming out of the wall, just like it was painted in the paint. The light was so bright. But then when we went on the, when he carried us kind of in the door a little bit, the bright lights just went away. And he made a left turn with me, and then he made a right turn. And he put me in a room in there, and there was a table. It had to be one of the prettiest tables I've ever seen, examination table, I guess what it was. And they laid me on this thing at about a 45-degree angle. Well, I was looking straight up, and I couldn't move nothing but my neck. I could roll my head a little bit, my eyes a little bit. And uh, this thing came out of the wall and came out of the ceiling and come down and stopped about a foot or a foot and a half in front of me. Then it started circling my head. But as it circled, you could hear it go click, 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 click. Then it just shot back up into the ceiling. Well, when it did that, I kind of noticed to my right a little reflection that something was coming to me then. Now, the old big ugly one, he done backed up in a corner. And uh, I noticed that uh, something was coming to me from another room of some kind, I guess. So uh, this thing was approaching me. And I rolled my head a little bit and kind of looked to see what it was. Well, it was, uh, uh, to me, this was a female-looking creature. And she, you know, she looked kind of normal. She looked more or less like a, 
like a female should, I guess. Uh, now, I didn't, I didn't know that that was the sex of it, but when she meditated to me, her voice came in like a female. Well, she came over and she kind of grabbed me with her fingers by the cheek and she mashed my cheek. Well, I, she didn't have no sensation in her fingers or anything. And then she grabbed my, with her left hand and pushed my jaw down and run her two middle fingers, which her fingers was a little longer than the ones on our hands, down our throat. And she started trying to come up through my nasal cavity. This little thing that hangs down in back of your throat, I don't know what they call it, but she was reaching up out. Well, I started choking. My nose started bleeding. And uh, she pulled out, and mentally, her mouth didn't move, and she sounded like a female, and she spoke better English probably than I do. But she says, we're not going to harm you. And then she just kind of back up and made a little grumbling noise with her throat. And this old big ugly one come over there again and grabbed me by the arm. And when he grabbed me, I felt another injection of some kind. And later on when I was at the hospital, you know, they said that we was injected with something. And it kind of calmed my nerves again. Well, this thing, like I say, moved like a robot. And he picked us up and floated us out the door, floated me out the door, put me down in the same spot that I was in, except I was facing the river with my arms outstretched toward the river. Well, about that time I heard Charlie, Calvin, Calvin, son, you okay? And uh, we turned around, we got up and we both kind of turned around just in time to see this thing get up a little bit off the ground. Then it just shot in the sky and kind of disappeared. Charlie says, well, we got to tell somebody. I said, no, we're not going to tell nobody. I, this is something that I don't want uh, to know. I just started this job. Charlie, people's going to think we're crazy. So we don't need to tell nobody anything like this. Well, he kept insisting we needed to. I said, no, we're not. So we walked back up to the car. Well, getting in the car, I noticed the on the passenger side of the car, my windows in the doors were shattered. And they were standing in place until he opened the door. And I liked it. Never did get the car cranked. I sat there and cranked on it, cranked on it. Finally got it cranked. And we pulled off. And it was running really bad. And this was, at the time, a brand-new 1973 Rambler Hornet had less than 10,000 miles on it. And as when we left, there was a store up there. He said, pull in here. Now, everybody keep in mind, this was 73. There weren't no cell phones, wasn't no social media, and the only thing you had was a payphone hanging on a wall. And we had blue laws here, so... He wasn't going to go inside a store and use a phone, but there was a pay phone hanging on the outside. And I thought he was going to call his wife. But he got, he went out there and he made a phone call and he come back to the car. And uh, he said, well, they told me to call the local authority. I said, who told you, Charlie, to call the local authorities? Kessler Air Force Base. So he had called Kessler Air Force Base in Biloxi, Mississippi. They told him they didn't take 
any kind of uh, phenomenals like that that you know they quit Project Blue Book a long time ago and uh, for him to call the local authorities. So he uh, he got another dime dime out from under the seat, went over there and he called the Jackson County Sheriff Department. They said, oh, you guys wait right there. Don't get in the car. Don't drive off. Don't go nowhere. We'll be there in just a minute. He told them where we were. Now, I know the reason for that. They probably thought we was drinking or something. And they uh, decided to uh, come check and be sure we wasn't or what, see what was going on. And it wasn't but just a few minutes they showed up. Well, they got out. And instead of going over and talking to Charlie, they came over to my side of the car because I was driving. Let me see your driver's license. All right. So I showed them my driver's license. They said, step out of the car. So I stepped out of the car. And he said, uh, look, lean your head back. Close your eyes. Lean your head back. Stand on one leg. Touch your nose. And count from 100 backwards. I said, man, if I was drinking, I, I couldn't do that if I wasn't drinking. I said, I can't do that sober, much less if I've been drinking. He said, no, do that. So I did what he asked, and then he got through it, and he said, oh, follow this flashlight with your eyes. So I followed the flashlight with my eyes there. And he said, oh, okay, you good to drive. Follow us to the sheriff department. So we followed them, got in the car, cranked it up. They got in front of us, and we followed them over to the Jackson County Sheriff Department. They took Charlie in one room, took me into another room. Well, when we got into this room, you know, of course, they interrogated us. And then they brought us out after a few minutes, and they put us into a room together. Now, little did I know that... Uh, they had a tape recorder hid in here, and they was going to tape our conversations, not with them in there, but just me and Charlie talking. Well, you know, I was scared, and I was a pretty religious boy, and so I said a little short prayer and stuff, and Charlie and I kind of talked between ourselves. Now, if I had known this tape recorder was in the room, I wouldn't have said nothing because I wasn't planning on telling nobody. So Charlie and I kind of talked between ourselves and all. And they come back into the room and got their tape recorder out and listened to it. And that's when the big sheriff come in there, the head sheriff. He said, look, guys, I know something's happened to y'all. I think y'all need to go home and rest, and we're going to get back on this in the morning because something something's not right here. But, you know, he was convinced right then that uh, we had been through some kind of experience. So we did. We left there, and we drove to Charlie's apartment. And when I got in there, you know, I told Charlie on the way, I said, look, we got, uh, I'm kind of worried that we might have some kind of bacterial infection or something. It's going to make this whole world sick. Because I had just watched not too long ago, that Apollo mission where when the man went to the uh, moon and all and came back, well, they isolated them for seven days. They wouldn't even let their families see them. And I was worried that we was going to give this to our families or his family and people around us. 
and concerned about that. And I mentioned the concern. He said, well, don't worry about that. But when we got home, I pulled all my clothes off, went to the bathroom, took all my clothes off, took my shoes off. Now, keep in mind, this was 73, so they didn't have plastic bags, but they had old paper bags. And I put them all in that. And I took a shower and just poured bleach over the top of my head, just old raw bleach, about a gallon of it, rubbed down and washed it off. And uh, got out, put on some clean clothes, and I carried these out to the, the old clothes to the dumpster and throwed them away. Now, that's how concerned I was about something being wrong. So we got up. We went in and tried to sleep some. Got up pretty early the next morning and uh, went to work. But when we got to work, when we drove into work, now I didn't know this was my first day on the, my second day on the job. So I didn't know how many cars were supposed to be parked there at the shipyard. But I knew it was a bunch of them there that morning. We brassed in, and that's like punching a time clock. We got our brass, brassed in, and uh, we didn't no longer get to our job stations. We got a call on the intercom to come to the office. Charlie and I both did. Well, I knew something was out. I didn't want nobody to know this, but I knew that somebody knew something. So we went to the office, and the owner of the company, F.B. Walker Sun Shipyard, he said, we can't conduct business like this. The phones are ringing off the hook. We can't even we can't even talk on the phone. If y'all go on the yard and work, people's going to ask y'all a lot of questions. Well, I had no idea the story had broke. But some somehow the story had got out. The news media had swarmed us there at the shipyard where we was trying to work. So the uh, owner of the shipyard got the attorney for the shipyard. He said, y'all going to have to make a press release and let him go out and tell them something, get rid of these reporters so I can conduct business. So we did. We went out and, uh, or Charlie did. I'm still saying, I don't know. I don't know what he's talking about because I didn't want nobody to know that. And, uh, Charlie did a press release. Then the sheriff showed up, Fred Diamond, who was sheriff in Jackson County then. He said, y'all get in the car. Me and this detective, we're going to take y'all to the hospital and get you checked. Then we're going to Keesler Air Force Base to get checked for radiation. So they did. They took us to the hospital. Uh, Dr. Bosco checked us and did blood work. He gave us the okay to go on. But we got a good examination and all. And we left from there. They put us in the patrol car and went straight into Keesler Air Force Base. And they flagged us right through the gate when we got there. They didn't stop us or nothing. And had an escort take us back to a building where they checked us for radiation. Well, when these six guys in these hazmat suits said all clear, well, one of them said all clear, they pulled them off. And they said, well, I want to see you in the back. So they led us down the hall. It took forever to get to the end of it. And it must have been at least 100 people in that building. It was all kind of uh, Air Force brass, uh, 
all the mayors from each one of the cities here in Jackson County, the police chiefs, and a few detectives and everything else. And I guess they thought an invasion or something was going on. But they they interviewed us. I didn't tell them too much because I didn't want to talk. Charlie told them what had happened. Then we got in the car, and before we got back, he was taking us back to work or to the shipyard where we worked. They said, don't leave. There's a guy that wants to see y'all here. And I thought, dang, the day's never going to end because I'm fixing to leave and go home. But it was Dr. John Allen Hynek and Dr. Harder from the University of California had flew down on their own dime. Now, how they got here as fast as what they did, I have no idea. But, you know, the story wasn't even uh, hot, good and hot yet. And the, Dr. Hynek showed up to do an interview. So I talked to him a little while that evening. And uh, he wanted us to stay till the next morning and come in and see them again. So we did. He interviewed me, then he interviewed Charlie, and Dr. Harder did some uh, exams on him. Well, the guy that owned the shipyard told us, said, look, y'all can't stay here and work. Why don't you take a few days off? That was my plan anyway. That's the only time in my life I ever got hired, fired, and had a physical in the same day. I mean, all this just happened. So make a long story short, I jumped in my car and shagged out and went back to Laurel, Mississippi. And I made very few appearances after this and never told my family what happened. They never asked me, never told any of my friends. It just all happened. Well, how did I find out about it? Somehow the, it traveled. We didn't have the Internet back then. But news traveled like wildfire. Somebody must have got hold of something in the newspaper or something, right? Well, you know what I figured? Uh, what? Back then, everybody was real nosy. And they yeah. would carry these scanners around. And they would listen to the police department and the fire department. And uh, probably went out on one of them scanners when the sheriff's department picked us up. And that might be how they found out. Because, see, I was mad at Charlie for years. I didn't speak to him for a long time because I thought he was the one that broke the story. Well, two truck drivers, if they heard it going through there, because I was one of those. And if we hear anything like that, we're going to share it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Once they hit that CB radio back then, that was the gossip line. Worse than That's right. Yet. Still is. <laughs> At least it, it was. Yeah. Truck drivers. <laughs> but, I trained them with those computer satellites and their sat Oh, you know. really? Yeah. But people well, uh, don't understand. That was a different time, you know. No cell phones, no computers, no social media. Matter of fact, uh -huh. at home, I still had a party line. And you'd get, uh, there was seven people on our party line, and you had a ringtone. It would ring well, well, one long, one short. They might have heard you talking. We used to pick up on the party line. I know what you're what? talking about, Louisiana. Yeah. I'm telling yeah. you. And you'd, you'd get your hear your ringtone and pick it up. You'd hear seven more clicks. And everybody uh -huh. just knows it. 
There's no difference yeah. in, in the day than what it was back then. Yeah. I've always been the type that I wanted to mind my own business and uh, just kind of stay to myself. And that's pretty much what I've done all my life. I, I'd go work. The only people that knew what, what my real name was was the ones writing a paycheck. And it eventually got to where when they was asking questions, I bought a, my own construction company. So I didn't have to listen to a bunch of bull about it. And that's how I ended up back here on the Gulf Coast. Oh, okay. So, uh, you know, where I lived in Kentucky for 20 years with my husband, uh, I didn't know half them people by their real name and to the day, to this day. But you knew them, they were your neighbors, but they didn't like you to know their names. They all had a handle or CB, you know. It's so funny, unless they were in government. Like, I knew Sheriff Errol of Stulen and uh, Mr. Johnson yeah. that ran the county courthouse. But you know what I'm talking about. People, your neighbors and stuff, I don't know what they were doing in them hills. I guess it comes from the moonshine days. I'm not really yeah. sure where it comes from. But, you know, you know, my husband said he used to run uh, uh, moonshine. <laughs> before oh, yeah. But he was born in 59, but he's passed now. But uh, it's amazing how things have changed. And now I was talking to Janet. You've been on her show. She and I was talking for uh, She said, you want me to come on? I said, no, I think I can handle it. <laughs> yeah. Handle it. <laughs> but uh, she'd already got you, and so had the mad. The mad got you on his radio show. But, uh, uh-huh. you know, each time somebody talks to you, I know you've got the main story down because you've got to have your timeline. And that apparently was real important. Uh, you want to tell people about that? Because how did you get so famous? Because you, you know, didn't want to be known. I didn't want to be known. And this, this is really strange the way all this happened. And it was just last year, 2018, July 2018. But uh, a month before that, we had a neighbor died. Now, I didn't really know her neighbors. I didn't associate. But uh, I thought it was only the only decent thing we could do is go to uh, the wake. So we went to the wake, and while I was there, believe it or not, I, I accidentally signed my real name to the register. People started coming up asking me questions and all. Are you the ah. Calvin Parker? I guess I am the Calvin Parker. That's my name. You know, but I wouldn't tell them nothing. And one thing out of respect for this man's wife and child, I didn't think that that was the proper place to talk about this. Yeah. So on the way home, my wife said, uh, why don't you write a book? I said, look, I've got just enough education to work this combination lock on my gas tank on the boat because I didn't have no education and I have no desire to write a book. And if I did write a book, I wouldn't know how to do it. She said, you need to. The people want to know. They care about you and they're curious and I think you owe it to the people. And she said, by the way, you never talk to me like and told me about what happened. I said, well, no, I know. And I'm not, I won't never tell you what happened, I don't believe. So we got home, and it just, this was just meant to be, I guess. Philip Mantle had been hunting me 
Well, he yep. talked to Martin Willis, and Martin had my contact information. So Martin called me and said, you know, there's a Philip Mantle hunting you, and he's <laughs> desperate to find you. Yeah, he's said, on Facebook asking us how to get in touch with you, and I found it on my Facebook. Yeah. Well, who's this and, Martin Willis? Uh, he does a little podcast show out of, I think he's up in Oklahoma or something, but I got to know him through fishing and things. Wow. But he, on, on the other side, he, he's kept up with Facebook and done podcasts, but the man has never really asked me about what happened. Wow. So, well, uh, that's how I got Did to know, know Mark. your real name? That's how you got founded, because um, yeah. Philip was on my Facebook asking, and I said, well, you know, he lives over here in Pascagoula, but uh, I didn't pursue it, uh, Calvin. I knew I was supposed to, but I, I can't explain it. I, I know I knew. I always knew. But now, how did I find out? I love this stuff. It's synergy, and I love supernatural and fascinating things. And I want to talk to you about it. we got an hour left if you can stay. But I want to look at all this stuff that's spooky around this stuff because, you know, when we're kids, and I totally get you didn't want to be known because I got abducted when I was a kid. And I went to White Sands, New Mexico, and my story don't make sense. There's too many things. So I thought it was because I died when I was a kid, you know. And I thought it was because I made touch with something. And then uh, a guy came and uh, when the man was walking on the moon and wanted to have a baby with me. And uh, I felt sort of hypnotized, brown hair, blue eyes. And he went out and he went to this bright white light and he disappeared. But you said you had a bright white light. So there's two coincidences. Or is it? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. Because uh, I thought, I looked and I ran to the carter. But you know, he came back later. Because uh, I was, I'd lost a baby, and I wondered what happened to it. And he said the baby was fine. We took it. So I, I kept. Nobody ever knew that. Nobody. And I kept it till uh, I did my radio show with, with Janet. She was prodding me to tell my strange stories. So, uh, but that was hard because I didn't want to admit it to myself. But no, you it, know what I'm saying? It's too crazy. That's not it, the only it, thing either that happened. No. To me. This is something that's really hard to talk about. Now, I went in 93, and uh, I did let Bud Hopkins hypnotize me. And what happened there, I went to Cat Island to do some fishing. Well, when I got to the island, I, I, I told uh, my wife, I said, look, I'm going to run out, and I'll be home before dark. Because back in, I didn't stay out on the water after night anymore. Yeah. And this was 93. I said, fix me a lunch, and I'll see you before dark. So I left, and I remember sitting down, fixing to eat my lunch. And the next thing I remember, now this is 11 o'clock in the day, before noon. Next thing I knew, when I got back to my truck, it was 3 o'clock in the morning. So I had all this missing time. Well, a friend of mine... uh, that was kind of following me around. I mean, he never asked me about it, but he was a reporter for uh, Channel 25 here on the coast. Oh. And we just got to, we had just became friends. 
and uh, he knew who I was. And he said, look, there's a guy giving a lecture. You need to talk to him. He's got a book on missing time. I said, who is that? He said, well, he's in Tampa, Florida now at a conference. Now, I didn't know what a conference was or who Bud Hopkins was or nobody else. He said, uh, let's go see him. So we jumped in the car and we run down and I said, look, I'm not going to no conference. You go in there and see. He probably won't know who I am. I doubt it. But just see if he'll talk to us. I want to ask him about this book that he wrote. Maybe buy a copy from him. Okay. Bill went in there and was talking to him and he said, "Uh, Calvin Parker wants to talk to you about some missing time. He said, look, I want to talk to him. Tell him, go to my room. Y'all, here's the key. Y'all go to my room. When I get through here, I'll be right there. So Bud showed up in the, uh, we went to his room, and he showed up just a few minutes later and introduced himself. Of course, I didn't know who he was. I didn't keep up with none of this stuff up until last year. And uh, he said, look, let me hypnotize you. Well, I didn't think the man ever hypnotized me. I got ready to write the book, and I told Philip Mantle when we agreed to do the book, I said, you know, Bud Hopkins tried to hypnotize me one time, but he didn't. He said, Bud's a good friend of mine, but he passed away. But Dr. Jacobs has his information. Let me see if I can get that tape, see what went on. I said, well, that's fine with me. Well, come to find out, he had hypnotized me. He put a post-hypnotic suggestion in my mind that I would not remember it until it was time to remember it. Well, we got the tape while I was doing the book. And one of the deals I had with Philip when I agreed to do the book, Philip, I'm not educated. You don't change a word in there. You don't change a misspell word. You don't put a punctuation mark nowhere. What it is, this book is what what it is. Because all my life, the news media has changed this story. And we agreed, and that's how the book came out. So I was doing the book, you know, and he was wanting to release it all. He told me, he said, it'll probably take you two or three years to write a book. I said, bull, if I can read one in a week, I can write one in a week or two. So I went to my room, and I closed my door, and I didn't answer the front door, and I didn't answer the phone for two weeks. When I come out, the book was there. And that's when I told, that's when I told uh, Philip about Bud Hopkins' tape, and that's when he got it. Well, I w- he mailed me a copy of it, sent me the transcripts on the computer, and I couldn't believe it. And I, I, did, I didn't go all the way to, uh, through the uh, tape because I wanted to remember it like I remembered it. So I had somebody over here. I said, y'all go listen to that. And as I remember what's going on, I'll tell you, and you see how close it runs to uh, this tape. But it was over an hour and a half hit, uh, session that he had. And come to find out, I had been abducted again. Oh. And actually gotten a physical compass, uh, physical fight in the crowd. And uh, I was 
going to uh, wrap my arms around her neck and jump out the door if I could have found the door and just to show everybody what happened because during this time, you know, I was a pretty healthy youngin, and I believe I could have took her. But, well, is this the second time now? This ain't the first time we're talking about. I talk Southern more with you than I do anybody. Lord of mercy, comes out. Uh, I must be comfortable with you because I try to have a radio. Well, good. <laughs> yeah. No, this because was, it was uh, this the second time. It was. It was on nineteen ninety three. And I didn't realize it until uh, we was doing this book. I had no idea. And I t- and just here lately, and, and this other book that we're doing is called uh, Past Pagula, The Story Continues. I underwent a uh, three-hour hypnosis session in, uh, with this. And we got a lot of new details that came out there. I mean, it wasn't nothing that was put in my mind. I was just laid back and concentrated. And you know, well, you know how it is probably to be hypnotized. And it I did kind of cl- the Navy sent me and uh, doctor in Hawaii to see if I was abducted by aliens, and I was found out. But yeah, I know what it's like. She didn't put no words in. I I remember having to come out of it, but. Uh, and I, I've had a whole bunch of stuff happen to me. I want to talk to you about that, too. But you finish this here story, and we'll get back to I'll add mine, but J. Allen Heineck, I met him, too. So he was Joseph Allen, but and you called him John, but I don't know if he went yeah. by that or not. But it says, uh, uh, I met him, but let's finish your story, and I'll, then we'll talk some of mine, too, with you. Okay. Because so I, I didn't know about this second one. Uh, but I did know about the Pascagoula first one. But tell me right. this one. Well, it was in 93, and, and uh, apparently they had put uh, something in my nasal cavities to attract mm-hmm. her or something, and they come back to get it out. And then that's when I decided I had enough. Well, I actually died on board that uh, craft while it was there. And... Uh, they actually brought me back, I think. But Can you tell me what it looked like? Because I've been on craft, too. But you tell me what yours looked like. Because I don't think, I think there's all kind of people out there. After the on and them separating Inky and Enlil and the old Sumer stories, come on down with the Uman Elish and the, come on down to right. the Bible stories, you know. But I've been looking all the way back to uh, people that was here, you know, all them stories, so. But you tell me, can you remember anything, what the size, sort of like you do the blue lights and uh, the size or anything? And, and I want to ask how many fingers they had, too. But you tell uh, me what you remember. Yeah, the uh, the craft was probably a little over 100 foot long, probably Good 10, night. 12 foot tall. And when it came over to the island, it was broad daylight, but it was cloud cover around it, so you couldn't see y'all. Uh, Nothing but the bottom of it. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. Can't keep going. Uh-huh. <laughs> so this cloud cover was there, and it just kind of opened up and pulled me up in it. And this is when she tried to uh, take his thing out of my nose. And I was upset by then, and we got in a physical, a physical fight with her. 
and I slammed her head against the wall, and she started bleeding black blood because my uh-huh. intentions was to kill her and bring her out with me, and me and her both die, uh-huh. just to be honest with you. What kind but of any, was she? Was she humanoid? She looked like more body? human. To, yeah, she looked more human than she did anything else. Yeah, you know, I, I did too. I've, I've looked at pictures since 2018 when the book come out of other okay. things. And I've never seen these great big, these grays with the big eyes or these grasshoppers yeah. or things like Me that. Me neither. Oh, Mine the big ones? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Mine has always looked human. Well, I mean, mine, she did looked, mine did too. Now, the story is on the uh, off the island or off this planet, they were little grays. And I've seen them when I was over in Sedona. Because they wanted me to come speak at Roswell, and I was like you. I didn't want to be known. I was trying to sneak and talk to Glenn Dennis because the ETs sent me to talk to him. But now that I'm going to tell my story for real, I don't know if people are going to believe me or not because there's too many coincidences of other people's stories out there. But I, I, they can put me on lie detector tests. So I want to talk to you about all this stuff. That's why I was wanting to know. But you said humans too, so that's good because most people won't admit that, that some of them are. Well, like I kind of explained to uh, somebody one time, if I was in a bar drinking a little bit, I wouldn't have to drink much to pick her up, you know, take her out to lunch or something. (laughs) You know, that's just how human looking she looked. Wow. Well, tell me all you know, and then I'll show you. I'll share you some of mine because I want to talk to you about Gulf Breeze and the clouds and stuff happening to me too. But I wanted to do a since I've never swear, never swear, and people I didn't even call him before the show. It's the first time I've ever heard Calvin. I I didn't listen to nobody else's show, and I ain't read his book just so we could have this conversation, hermana hermana, or what do they say, brother and sister, because of kindred spirits. And there's a reason for that. And Calvin, I, so I had no idea you had uh, girls either. I mean, a, a woman and a female, because mine were male, except for the lady that I met here on the planet and some men too. But what else about yours? And I'll get into mine. So she was about 100 miles big. It came down out of a cloud, and they pulled you up in it, right? Right. When we got real physical, I don't remember how I got back to my boat or nothing. You know, they just, I guess, put me back in it. But all this come out in that hypnosis session with Bud Hopkins. And um, this new book has got a lot of information that's coming out, too. It's not so much on the abduction and all, but it's everything that's happened since then. Good. That's the stuff I'm going to be interested in right there because, you know, they say you don't write the story till you got the whole story, but I still don't have my whole story. And I, I I wrote a whole bunch of books, but it was like little things. I wrote articles and hinting around me and my husband's stuff, but I never did it like an autobiography or just sit down and write, okay, I know this is weird, you know, but I'm starting, but I've got a lot of books out there, but it wasn't to sell books. I think I may have made 20 bucks all in all in 20 or 15 years because I wasn't trying. If somebody just happened on it and they were, well, you know, out there. But go ahead. Well, somebody asked me, you know, after the books come out, they said, well, are you in it for the money? 
Let me tell yeah. everybody something. It's no money in books. I mean, not no more. I put more. Yep. I put uh-huh. more out of my pocket, and I knew people was going to say that. My living was made before then, so I make sure that mine goes back to the community or to a charity. Uh-huh. And uh, well, you got you gonna put a landmark. Maybe y'all can save up for the city to put something there or something. There's already, the there's already a historical marker there now that the what? city paid for itself to put up. And uh, oh yeah. They, they they just about three months they put this historical marker up. That'll be there forever and it tells about what happened. It's a regular wow. historical marker and it's by the boat new boat landing at uh uh, uh, Lighthouse Park on off Highway 90. So if you ever get there, just go to Lighthouse Park. You see the little light lighthouse, and you'll see it sitting over there. And they had the huh. mayor of the city come out and dedicate it and all. Wow, this was this year. Oh yes, ma'am. Wow, absolutely. Pastor has been really good. There's people that's come for an interview that was closed-minded about any kind of uh, maybe aliens or anything like that. And before they left, this one lady came in, and uh, she was a reporter. And like I say, she didn't, you know, I don't think she believed one way or another. But by the time she left, she told me there's no doubt in my mind what's happened to you. The evidence is there. And uh, I can just look at you and tell you're a very sincere person. Wow. That's amazing. Well, I'm glad you got people that are finally open-hearted and open-minded enough to believe what you're doing because it's not hard to uh, believe you, to me, but you're speaking from your heart and you're open and People don't realize you don't lie about this stuff. It's not something to be proud of. You don't. You're trying to figure out your life story, and right. you know it, it. Just it goes against everything you. Well, nobody ever told you they were or weren't. All I ever learned was in church or the Bible or school. Did you get a sixth grade education, or did you have to drop out because y'all didn't have any money, or what happened to your education? If you don't mind me asking. Well. No, I just didn't like school, and I had to work. See, we were uh, my family was sharecroppers, and the way we made our living to start with up until the oil field was uh, we'd farm farms for other people, then split the profits on the farms. So now I spent a minute. What year was that? Was that was sixty? Uh, well, I started. About 12 years old, plowing a mule. Is that Mississippi? Yes, ma'am. Mississippi, up the Delta, Mississippi. Now, my and family was from Ripley, Mississippi. My grandpa ran a railroad through Ripley, Mississippi. I, I have Herman. a good, I have a real good friend that owns a construction company in Ripley, Mississippi. Huh. Uh, Colum well, Construction. Ask Railroad and with Charles Fulton, because my granddaddy and and 
I met his grandson uh, in Birmingham, Alabama. Him and I were real good friends. Back then, I was real young and pretty, and he I was a model part-time and working in Arthur Dance Studio for a little thing while I was going to college and had four kids. But he took my pictures, and it was really weird because – he noticed my name, my maiden name on something he had to get legally. He said, you're a Thurman? I said, yeah. He said, well, I'm a Faulkner. I said, so what's that mean? He said, you don't know who I am. I said, no. He said, my name's Charlie, Charlie Faulkner. I said, so? <laughs> I well, you know, that, that little community that I was telling you about where my friend was, I believe that yep. was Faulkner. Really? Uh, yeah, Faulkner, uh, Mississippi, right there by Ripley. Wow. Yeah, that's where his office is in Faulkner. Well, right I've never, I've been through there, but I was a truck driver. But he told me the story, and that his grandpa and my grandpa. I was like, Are "You sure it's mine?" Because we were from Ripley. He says, "Yeah." He said, "This is fate." He believed in all that stuff. He says, uh-huh. "This ain't no coincidence about us meeting." And I thought, because we, we never, you know, I was married with kids, and he wasn't, but he was a very nice-looking guy, and, and I was pretty. But he was a, a photographer, meant to take my pictures, and I don't know why we were supposed to meet, but maybe there's something to that. Because he was the one that made me start wondering. I never told him about my E.T. UFO abduction type stuff, you, didn't, you know, but I've always wondered about that story. And now here you are. I always wondered about your story. How do you – this is so amazing to me, Calvin. You've got two stories. Now, i got more than two stories, but I don't know how to put them together. So that's why I admired you, and I've always known I was going to talk to you someday. My baby was in my stomach. Now, she's gone. She's the one that died, but she got taken. And then when we was here in Gulf Breeze, we both got taken off of the – over here and up in the cloud, like you said, you know what I'm saying? It it looked like oh, a big yeah. cloud and took me up and uh and I didn't see her. She disappeared down the Gulf on the on the sand, and uh, this big white cloud came up and it's on YouTube. I put that. Uh, they took me, but they clicked off the uh, phone or something because I didn't do it. And when I came back, my shoes in the, were still in the sand in the in the uh, phone because I was uh, filming, trying to find her, and I started filming the cloud that came over, like you know, big cloud. It looked like it had a. I was like, "What is that?" And then next to it came a big round thing, and it looked like it had a, a Mercedes Benz thing in it or something. <laughs> Darn. But uh, I got taken up, and uh, I just don't know how to talk, how to. I don't know how to tell it all. Like, so you just went to a room and said, "I mean, I've written books and stuff, but I wasn't taking it for like I'm gonna put everything down and own it. I can't explain it. Have you ever? But you weren't a writer. See, my mama was a writer, and and so, uh, and my husband loved to tell stories. So, but he told his military stories. So I sort of came by it trying to help my mom and my husband but I didn't I was writing for UFO Digest in 2007 and I think that's how I learned about Philip Mantle I don't know it must have been when I was writing this TJ Thurman Morris for UFO Digest 
Philip Mayo's been a part of my life too. And then so when he wanted to write your book, I was so shocked. I did, I I was like, I can't believe this. I I just can't believe it. So now you're going to have two books. We got the light. And do you know I met Jay Allen Hynek in an airplane before he died? Oh really? Yep. So we both been in the white or seen the white light. We both uh-huh. been interviewed by Jay Allen Hynek. That's weird. He yeah, saw me reading the book. He saw me reading Reese Montgomery's book, uh, Aliens Among Us. Asked me to come back in the back of the airplane because he'd only sit on the bulkhead back by the bathrooms. Cause, uh-huh. And I had to ask him why because I didn't know him from Adam. He passed me by me. He'd come by me. And the second time I was really starting to feel uncomfortable. Of course, you know, I wasn't bad looking back then, but it was, uh, I could feel him looking at me. You know what it feels like when somebody's staring at you, right? Oh, yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. I was on the outside. I went in the window. I always sit on the outside of the, you know, you have two seats in the airplane. But he walked by and he said, excuse me, miss, uh, uh, do you believe in, in all that? And I said, what? He said, what you reading there? And he touched the book. And I looked at it, and he said, Aliens Among Us. I said, well, of course I do. He said, why? I said, because I've seen them. Yeah. <laughs> but he said, would you mind coming back here and talking about me? And I, with me, and I said, no, uh, I don't want to talk to you. So the third time, he came back and got me. But I said, okay. But he said, ma'am, I'm not going to try to. I just want to find out if, uh, you know, he he thought about it. It must have been a long trip or something, but he, he came back by and said, I just really, really would like to talk to you about that. And what do you do for, you know? And so anyway, I went back and talked to him. And he was, he took my name and stuff. We were going to keep in touch. But I went, I he died. So uh, I don't know. I don't know how what all is going on, but... Calvin, there's more to the world, and certain people know it. And I was one of those that got taken over and over, and I'm still looking for why. You know, I believe that there's different groups out there, and I don't. I, all I can know is what I feel. But I know those people are real. But they're part. I believe they're they're humans, like you said, and some of them are from different groups and other parts of the universe. Have yeah. you made any kind of philosophy for yourself? Because didn't you grow up at least believing in church or the Bible? Because down here oh, in the I, South, we yeah, go ahead. I believe in the Bible. I believe in God to this day. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind. And then, uh, but you know, you look around this earth, look at all the different uh, cultures and different races, and different people, then you got some good people, you got some mean, you got some pure damn evil. And, you know, you got your Christians, and you got your uh, people, you Buddhist, and then just go on your Muslims. And, and, you know, you have different religions of people. So, you know, it's no doubt in my mind that there's a supreme being over all of it. That's what I believe. I believe that what I've traced back to Sumer that we can see, because I was an investigator by trade. I wanted to copy my granddaddy. One was a truck driver, but 
before he was a truck driver, he was a police officer. So I guess it's in my blood or DNA or something. I don't know. I'm trying to figure all this out. But the part about you and me is the fact that somehow we knew about you long, long time ago. And I remember somebody coming up saying, did you hear? And my baby moved in my stomach. And that's why I know. I knew because she was born January 27th, 1974, and she died from benzene poison. She was a real good painter, and she went to FBI buildings and painted for them. Had to have you know be cleared to do all that. She was a smart girl, but she just died from cancer here this March 16th. But oh, I gosh. knew she was going to die March 15th. I knew they were calling her. They I know things, and I know things before they're going to happen and driving around curbs before accidents and driving a big truck. And I knew when one was going to flip in front of me before we're going over the Hoover dam and stuff like that. I've seen things and known things and there's something to that. So there's no doubt in my mind. Well, what's special about you? You think it's your blood or because we're all DNA. I think we all got a spark of the, Half of us is a mortal divine, and the other half is like Adam and the man. You know, they took the ape lady or whatever. And and I could go into the story my husband told me from his stuff because he had uh, come back here to die. He did the 20 years out and 20 years back here. I spent 20 years with him on here, but I'm still putting together the stories before I write it all. What do you think? I I don't. I really don't know what to think. It's kind of like I told Philip and I put in a book. All I'm doing is hunting the truth. And one day I feel like that somehow we'll find the truth. No doubt in my mind about it. Well, you think you're from a certain group? or But we both got the light. We both got met J. Allen Hynek. And I don't know what else we got in common, but I'd sure like to find out. Now, my daddy taught me to fish from the time I was in Monroe. Uh-huh. I did catfishes. I did sun perches. But uh, we did mostly a uh, little perch and catfish. Uh, I've never caught a trout in my life that I can think of. But uh, I had to learn how to skin squirrels and uh, do ducks and cut their heads off. But uh, I don't remember ever doing a deer, but I do know how to do that, and uh, I don't know what else we may have in common. Now, my daddy in Mississippi and Louisiana, now, I know they had a place with cotton, and I remember growing up around cotton. What did y'all share crop? Soybean or cotton or what? Cotton. Cotton? Same yeah. thing? And okay. Nobody really knows how hard it is. To pick a 300-pound oh, bag of cotton know. a day. I picked I it. I've gotten sore fingers. Did you You remember? You tell them about that. You know it feels like poison, don't it? It does. And you drag that 300-pound cotton bag around with you, and that's what they expected you to uh, pick it a day was 300 pounds. That's the hardest. Your fingers get to hurting. Your hands do. You get cuts on them. And they don't know how blessed they are to have combines and tractors now to do that. Now, what city was you picking in? Greenville, Mississippi. Greenville. 
Greenville, Mississippi. Well, right there up around uh, Monroe, Louisiana, it's across the bridge in Washita. Uh, you know, we had the Washita River right through West Monroe, Monroe, but over Jackson, where the Mississippi ran down. You know where Jacksonville, Mississippi is? Oh, yeah. Well, that's all cotton fields out there, too. Remember? Oh, gosh, Green. yeah. So all that. And uh, why why would people from another level in the universe want us? Well, on top I, of don't, us? I don't know. You know, this is still, I'm like you. I'm still on a quest to find answers. And the way you, to do it is get out and get involved in the community. Because... Since I've done the book, I've noticed a lot of people is coming forward. There was a lot of eyewitnesses that came forward from that night. And uh, they're good, credible people, but they just didn't want to come forward because the time wasn't right. They would have been ridiculed. I think that's what it is because the reason I started doing what I did was people was asking me to. That guy in... uh, Canada, how did he hear about me? Oh, uh, see, when I was an investigator, law enforcement officer uh, in Texas, and then moved, uh, my family moved from Monroe to Houston. But uh, when I came back in investigation, I, I worked for Percy Foreman when I was 16. He had like the original Charlie's Angels, but uh, his name was Buddy Hanson. He was sitting in Las Vegas. He went to convince or something, told this guy's story and swore that guy stole his story or took it to pilot. But I never uh, – that's what Buddy told me. But he was doing some cases for Percy Foreman in Houston. And he uh-huh. – uh, Percy, I had – I was uh, dancing when they had that oil stuff going on, an oil embargo in Houston. And remember when they'd line up to get the gas? You remember back in the day? Oh, when, yeah. Okay. Jimmy Carter was in office. Yep. And uh, anyway, back then, uh, now this is in 60. I, this was, well, you were, you're still older than me, let's see, because you're three, three years older. Uh, let's see. It was, I was dancing at the Warwick Hotel, and I broke my tooth. It was for some of them, uh, Sheiks from Arabia or whatever that the bushes were uh-huh. whining and dining. And uh, when they was whining and dining them, we were supposed to dance. And when I was with the Bob Hope crew over at Fort Polk. And, uh, but we was the uh, Houston spinnerettes. We danced and we twirled batons. And I met Sonny and Cher at the Hobby Airport. And uh, anyway, it was a good time. But I broke my tooth, to make a long story short. When we was dancing, the girl pushed up on my back. I pushed up on her back. Third time, she pushed up on my back, and I fell and broke my tooth because they said she pushed too hard. So they blamed her, but the Warwick paid for my tooth to get fixed, so I still got a broken tooth. But anyway, I don't know where I was going with all this to to you, Calvin. Do you? I just trying no. to tell you all the way back then. I, I knowed about you in 74. Well, it happened in October. But my daughter was in my tummy, so how did I learn so quick? I, I mean, don't know. what I'm trying to do is find out why did the baby in me know, and then why did we get taken too? But I was uh, see that's why I blamed it on me getting uh, that I died in uh, the second grade. I had hepatitis, and uh, 
they took the blood out of my body. They brought a machine up from New Orleans to clean my blood, and it made me die. So I went out of body, so I had that experience. And then I willed myself to go to White Sands, New Mexico. And I had uncles that worked over there at Los Alamos. And I got to see a UFO-type thing and family. It's like the movie Taken, like Steven Spielberg did. But uh, and my family lived at – his name's Thomas – lived in Lubbock, Texas. But I tried to put a lot of that stuff together, and I'm just not doing a good job because I'm still looking – well, is it because I died? Or I think my brain wants to know the reason and which groups are taking which people and why. Does that make any sense? I want to know why. Yeah. Well, that's kind of the answer I'm hunting, but I found out the harder you hunt it, the harder it is to come by. If you just kind of kick back and relax a little bit, a lot of times things come to you. And, uh, well, yeah pieces of it. One came to me recently that in 1988 I worked for Raytheon in the Spa Wars. And that just shocked the heck out of me. I forgot the letter my sister gave me that I wrote to my mama and when I was living in Hawaii, working for the U.S. Navy. Now there's another piece. I was working and this don't make sense. How did I get to having Seeing Bob Hope and dancing and breaking my tooth with the all that happening and the and the gas and the money back then, and then uh, being a law enforcement and being in the I went out to Africa, I went to England, but these people in Rochester, and it was a big white light and two red lights came up. One went left way, one went the other way. And I saw that. And then me and my kids were chased around Birmingham all the time by UFOs, so they've seen them too. So there's something to us being on this planet, and I think that they check on us. Because if you go back and look at the old scriptures in Sumer before the Bible, and back in the day they got uh, all these uh, museums, people going through them and reading the text. They had five fingers. That's what my husband said. So uh, they did, they did, and so there's still some up there, and I've seen them, and I knew about them, and then I ran across them working with the government. So, and some of them had ESP. Yeah. So, did you do anything with your mind in the, the second one yet, with your not, hypnotism? No, not yet. Oh, uh, you know, I'm just. Just kind of getting into it now, and I, I I've got the transcripts and the whole thing, you know. I'll, I'm reading them and trying to figure out what's what. Just taking my time and thinking about it. Was it somebody reputable that you got there and uh, you back in Pascagoula now, or where are you staying? In Mobile or no? Pas- I'm in I'm in Pascagoula, but this person came out of Florida. That did it, uh, and probably. you probably know her. What's her name? Let me let me look right here. Okay, maybe At, she's in the business. Oh, she is in the business. She's a forensic scientist thing. Uh, she took her lessons from that forensic stuff and all. 
I took forensics at University of Alabama. Really? <laughs> I did. It was a class, and they people would run in and run out, but they would come in and talk to the person that was teaching us the class and go out, and then we'd have to have a test on it. It was weird stuff back in the 70s when I moved to Birmingham, Alabama. They gave up. My husband was working at NASA. Oh, let me tell you this part. When he said, they said, uh, what is that guy? I met a lot of astronauts, but one of them said, bogey, 10 o'clock high. I got to go up to NASA in the uh, secretary pool and listen to it, put their phones on. <laughs> my husband oh, really? Was, yeah, I did. My husband worked for Chris Kraft. Uh, it was during the Vietnam War. Maybe that's where I was going with that earlier. I have to go back and listen to this, what we're making here to figure out where I was going, what I wanted to tell you. But uh, he was working at NASA. He was young. I, it was when I was uh, dancing and, and was pretty with the Houston Spinnerettes, and I'd put in my government paperwork. He had five scholarships, but they remember it was Vietnam. We called it a war, but it was a police action. Uh-huh. But uh, he put in, he put in, and he got butt naked and went down to Mets, and like all them boys, and some of them were coming back in body bags, none of them. So he was all in tears and stuff, but. I got pregnant. I shouldn't tell people that, but I did at 15 and kept him out. And that's how he wound up working at NASA. He had five scholarships. I was in Hyde Lambert, went and got my GED and went to university. No, I went to Alvin Junior College to be law enforcement, criminal justice and psychology, and had four kids. Uh-huh. Boom, 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 But uh, I guess you're supposed to know that. But he worked at NASA. He worked on several Apollos, and so is his dad, uh, Don Parrish. Grumman. So there's a lot in my life that just don't make sense. And I was placed in places, I think. If it wasn't our government, it was ET or both of them. And I wound up working intelligence, as dumb as I sound. <laughs> I don't sound dumb at all. Now, uh, the lady that hypnotized me is Betty and Barney Hill's niece. Oh, Kathy. oh my gosh, Kathy Martin. Yeah. Kathy came over? She did. She flew all the way from Tampa. Oh, my gosh. What a, That's another coincidence. I talked to Kathy Martin long time ago when I was in Kentucky. She was going to help me and told me to talk to uh, Peter. What was his name? Peter's real nice. He, uh, he uh, endorsed me on LinkedIn. Peter's uh-huh. somebody. He likes to do... Uh, uh, he likes to do those UFO events. I ain't never been to one, but have you? Have you been to an event? I just got back from uh, Phoenix, Arizona, that UFO Congress, and I have to tell oh. you, I had a blast out there. It was fun. Oh, <laughs> uh, really? Got to meet a lot I've of never people, been. and I got to see uh, Dr. Heine's son, Paul Heine, and I, he. We did a radio yeah. show together. And he actually told a story about his daddy had gave me their phone number, and he was out playing. You know, he's quite a bit younger than we are. He was out playing soccer, and I called one day to talk to his dad, and he telling the story how he was trying to write my number down on the chalkboard and all. (laughs) But he's such a pleasure to be around. You know, that whole family is geniuses almost. Really? His brother, his brother actually built a jet engine in their backyard when they were kids. 
Huh. They didn't make fun of you or nothing? No. I mean, this was a great... He gave one of the best presentations I've heard in a while. He had a little humor to it to kind of break the monotony. But it was a lot of fun. Well, I made fun of one of those. I just, I didn't ever want to fit in. And Janet Lesson went to him all the time, my BFF from back in the day. She worked uh, in Hawaii, and, and her husband knew the uh, same lady. See, I was uh, helping do holodynamics with Dr. What's her name? Laura Sturgis. Dr. Laura Sturgis hypnotized me like Kathy Martin did you. Uh-huh. But the government paid her money to do that while I was in the Navy. But uh, I don't know how she got to do that. But uh, they had me go to Eco Expo, and I met uh, – Oh, people like Willie Nelson through my life because I was a little bit of a singer. And uh, I'd been on television and KNOE television. So, see, my it, all the pieces of me don't make sense. And if people don't uh, believe you, they're going to make it look really, really bad because I've got too many weird things. Like being on television when I was a kid and getting my kids in a movie and stuff. So, Mine is more colored with different things that don't make sense. It won't make sense. Like, how do you meet J. Allen Hynek in this life? And you did. How do you see a bright white light? And you did. And then how do you see them as humans? And you did. You see what I'm saying? And I did too. It just don't make sense. So who's going to believe you? So they didn't make fun of you. But Janet, Janet kept telling me they wouldn't make fun of me. But I don't know. See, I was a. See, here's the flip side. Think about it. I wanted to be a law enforcement officer. I wanted to be an investigator. My husband worked at NASA. I heard uh, them say bogey 10 o'clock high. You know what I'm saying? And then I I wound up being in the Navy and going out of country and going to Africa and doing all these weird things. None of it makes sense. And I'm going, why? How did I do I got picked by the U.S. Treasury. I took gold and silver I took Microsoft, millions of dollars of Microsoft, I, and I've been everywhere and done everything. But they always told me if I mentioned UFO, I'd get fired. Always. Don't ever mention UFOs. And they it was bad. You couldn't mention it. So I just had to search in secret. But then when I met Ronald Reagan, Ronald, I met Ronald Reagan. I met George Bush. Can you believe that? I'm yeah. telling the truth. Oh, How I believe that it. Happen? It don't make sense. Calvin, so there's something with whatever you got and I got, it don't make sense. I talked to Kathy Martin and you talked to Kathy Martin. Look at all these coincidences. What'd you talk? Well, she she told you she'd come hypnotize you? Yeah, well, we made a deal. She was actually at this, uh, when I met her personally, she was in Phoenix at this UFO Congress where we was both giving her little spills here. Huh. And we got to know each other and become friends. Really? Is she, Is she nice? Oh, she's an extremely nice person. And she sure she was has, nice on the phone. She's been on my radio show with, uh, what was her friend's name? Barbara? I can't remember her name. Some other lady down here in Florida. Uh, she'd been on Janet's show, too. Well, that's strange. We got too much in common. That just don't make sense. All right, so she inter- she interviewed you over this second, right? Your second UFO thing? Right, but she took me back on both accounts. 
on the first and second to see if we could get any new information. And it was a three-hour session this last time. She oh, come crap. right here at the house. No way. She came yeah. all the way up here. Don't she live near Miami or something? Or Orlando? Orlando? I, I think she lives in Tampa, Orlando, somewhere in there. Don't tell me that. I was down there three months in Tampa. No mm. way. Are you kidding me? <gasps> no, I believe she it. lives in I, Tampa. I bet I was supposed to meet her all that time. It didn't even cross my mind. Lord of mercy. Now, when I was going to finally come out and tell the real story, you know, everything that happened to me, I was going to do it through, uh, I answer something on MUFON. Somebody, was it Janet Lesson? Janet makes me do stuff I don't want to do. But uh, I get in the mood and think, okay, I'm going to do this, and then I'll lose the guts to do it right. But Janet, she had me talk to that, uh, what was his name, Ray Hernandez. She brought him home with free. But now, Kathy, how did Kathy get on my shows? It must have been, oh, Stanton Friedman. I remember Stanton. Stanton was telling me about him. Now, Stanton, did you ever meet Stanton Friedman? I did. I, I spent did. a good deal of time with Stanton. What? Yeah. No. He personally looked me up, yeah. And, oh, uh, my gosh. I've never it, met him, but he, he was like a best friend of mine. We were Going to write a book together. He, of course, he took all my information. He got in touch with me over that book I had, uh, the one that uh, was it Clifford Stone had. It was that book with magic. See, my name when I was driving a big truck was Magic, and that was for Majestic 12. <laughs> and I had a copy of the book. <laughs> but go ahead. Yep. How'd you meet Stan? Oh, he just flew up to Laurel, Mississippi one day, and somebody strange I didn't know, and I come up and wanted to talk to me, and it was Stan Freeman. Oh. And uh, I actually enjoyed a visit with him. He stayed a couple of days. I don't remember huh. if he ever told me that, because we talked a long time for a couple of years. Now, uh, back when he was talking to me, it seemed like I talked to Jesse Marcel. Now, me and Stanton at different times showed up, and I was a, I was an investigator. Get this. But I was young and had just been taken out to the Navy to Balboa and that Bill Tompkins. And I met Bill Tompkins in San Diego, and I met him in uh, Dayton, Ohio. Man with the funny hair. Did you ever meet William Tompkins, old man? Well, no, you know his name? Okay. All right. Well, anyway, so uh, I was taken uh, in the Navy van, took me down, brought me back through San Diego, through Houston, where I lived, back, not through Houston, Dallas. And from Dallas took me to, uh, real late at night, to uh, Jesse Marcel's house. You know who Jesse Marcel is, right? Yeah, I got, uh, he sent his nurse out to get me on his deathbed, and I went and spent some time with Jesse. Oh, no In Homa, Louisiana. Yeah. Come on, now think about this. I've been in his house and met him. Now look at this. Who's orchestrating this? You ain't, I ain't, I'm no. not, you're not, and now. I, 
Oh, I got to talk right. I, I tell you, I'm so I get tired. I, I talk with Southern, but okay. I had this no idea who the man was at the time, but he was on his okay. deathbed. He sent all the lady that was taking care of him out to find me because he had heard I was working around there. And he actually wanted to talk to me and tell me uh, that what had happened in Roswell was true. Whoa. Hold on just a minute. Hey, John, I'm still on the uh, radio with uh, Calvin Parker. Can I call you back in about 30 minutes? About 35 or 40 minutes? I got to go get my daughter at the uh, Navarre Conference Center. Is that okay? Can you hear me? Okay, call me back in about 40 minutes when I'm on the road. Thank you. He's, he, hey, I want to book you on my radio show tomorrow night, Saturday night, or Sunday night. Don't forget. Okay, I'll call you back. Okay, bye. Okay, I'm sorry, Calvin. I'm so informed. No, that's fine. But that's one of those people that's really, really hard to get. He's an author and real, real busy. And I uh-huh. told Janet about him. And she, you know Janet. You were on her show, Janet Leslie yeah. Why? But I knew that long time ago. But, you know, I have been quite intentionally, like, not wanting to talk to you. But it wasn't. I didn't. I wanted to real bad, but I was not scared. I was anticipating. I didn't know how much we'd have in common. I knew oh. we were. But I didn't know. See, you're part of my story. But I don't know why. And 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 it's. I, I, see, I, it's hard to explain. I haven't been to none of those UFO conferences. At least you're if you, you're ahead of me, and that's good. Get it? You're ahead of me. Yeah. You need to. Uh, you have fun at them. You'd enjoy them. <laughs> I love and, people, but it's hard. I, I'm one of those that's outgoing to hide how inside I'm uh, shy. What do they call those? Extrovert, introvert, introvert on the inside. I don't know. But I don't you, know either. I, I am do too. From the outside, to hide, like I don't go anywhere. I stay in my room. I, I'm an empath. I do know that. That's my gift. I feel things real deep. And real, my dad had it. My mom had it. And she could do airplanes before they fell out of the sky, and they did. It really was weird. I mean, she had people trying to get in contact with her because she could predict things. And then uh, my grandsons like that. One of my grandsons in the Air Force. And one's in there on my couch right now. <laughs> but uh, Calvin, I didn't, I didn't know how to do this with you. So uh, I'm just learning to. I, I don't know if I'm running to the truth or from the truth. A little of both, I guess. I'm embarrassed. You know what I'm saying? It don't make sense. Embarrassed. I mean, what well, aren't you a little bit? No. Or you just said I don't care no more. I just got to this. When this book come out, I throwed everything on the burner. And uh, I agreed to go and do these conferences with uh, for Philip and to promote this book. And yeah. the reason I promote the book is not much to uh, sell the book for me, but I'm still looking for the truth. And wow. I, I even got to go up and spend three days at Betty Hill's house with her before she died. And, uh, what? Well, I don't yeah. know any of this stuff, but I've always been looking, but I guess we all don't look in the same place because I no. am a, 
I am an archivist and historian, but I was looking for my own answers, so people thought I must – I don't know what they thought of me. But Kathy – see, I told Kathy I'd try to do an event because I was telling her about Janet Lesson wanting to do an event. And she oh. tried to tell me just start off easy, and if I could just get them to meet me at the library or stuff. So with Bowling Green, I got involved with Barry Gaunt in MUFON. In 2008, right. and I bought that $75 book, and she was going to work on it, too, and rewrite some of it, Kathy Martin. Uh-huh. But she wound up later, four or five years, being on my radio show. So uh, I I don't know how all this is or why this is, but I think we're supposed to put it together is what it feels. Janet keeps telling me that. A man didn't show up tonight, but a Mike died. And he's uh, got a lot to do because Mike just died. And see, we've right. been doing radio shows. Uh, Mike was Mike Ringley got uh, me started before he. Well, I wouldn't start with him. He wanted me to do. Uh, he was a, a, a musician. And I was a musician, and, and we were. Well, I was in BMI uh, up in Kentucky, and he was in Lebanon. Or uh, was it Corbin? No, he was in Lebanon, and I was uh, right outside of Town, about forty-five minutes in Beaver Dam. But anyway, that's a whole other story. But we've done a lot of radio, but he just died yesterday. And now, and you picked this date. And you noticed how I wrote that up, or have you even seen it? Have no, you seen I'm, what I wrote it? I'm uh-huh. sitting here reading it now. Okay. Well, tell me if you want me to change something. I don't care. It's TJ no. Marsh, EP Radio. Yeah. Looks good yeah. to me. You want me to change? Well, you'd read it because I know how you are about, you know, people talking about you and stuff. Everybody is. But I have all these books out there, but none of, they were to help my husband, and that didn't help because we didn't make no money because I wouldn't market them. I just stuck them on Lulu. And then uh, I had to have 20 books to uh, with iUniverse, whatever, or this other guy so I could have my own imprint, and I did that. But that's because I worked in uh, publishing back in Oklahoma. I was a catcher. But my mom and daddy worked at the sawmill, and uh, my grandparents worked at Clark's but uh, doing sawmill. But anyway, I wound up being in the publishing business and driving books all over. But there's something to this, Calvin. We got 25 minutes left. Help me figure this stuff out. You've already gone to that IUFO. You know how many years I've been asked by Janet? Since 2012, so seven years to go to that IUFO Congress. And she met the guy that, uh, or was it Brown, Mr. Brown that started that? I used to keep up with all that, but they moved it. So you waited till they moved it from the Indian uh, place out into a hotel. Where'd you go right. in Phoenix? Let's talk about that because you liked it. In Phoenix, uh, they moved it. In. What hotel? Yeah. The Sheraton, downtown Sheraton. Yeah. And it was a nice place and uh, had a great conference hall and it was quiet. The only problem I had there was uh, the difference in the food, you know, and that, that that we eat. And Oh, that's what Janet said. So yeah. what you did they have Mexican food or real Mexican food or did they just have like Oh, they they had the real stuff, and you know I I don't really I'm not a big eater, but I, yeah, what I like to eat, you know, I kind of like. So uh, 
But I you finally found. Yeah, beans that's what I taters. ate. That's what that I ate. And then I found a uh, Chick-fil-A off one of the college campuses up there. And I went and bought me up a big bag of them, put them in the refrigerator in the room. And then when I'd want one or get hungry, I'd get the iron out of the closet. And I'd turn it on wide open and leave it in the foil and set it down on that. And yeah. I got them. That toasted them pretty good. It made them real good. It heated it up and it got the bread toasty. That's yeah. a good idea. Did they not have uh, microwaves in your room? No, we didn't have no microwaves. Well, remember when we grew had... up, there wasn't no such thing as microwaves. No, huh? You, you improvised. <laughs> you <fine. laughs> We was lucky well, to I'm... have a wood stove or a fireplace. <laughs> well, my family uh, in the 50s, uh, now my grandma had a little, well, she had a house. Now, living in Kentucky, believe it or not, I went backwards in time, and I went up there and got a cedar shingle uh, house, what they call a cedar cabin in the woods with a fireplace, and when we had a big old uh, snowstorm, ice storm, and they came looking for us two weeks later, and the Army came through, came through trying to give us those MRE things. you know. So I've got some smarts in the military. And I, I loved doing the Navy because it seemed like I was always training. But I think that was part of it, too. My husband and I had got to go uh, look for UFOs for Ronald Reagan. I think that's why they had me meet him, but it was the men in black. you have any men in black stories? I got some. Do you? Men no, I don't. I actually asked uh, Dr. Heineken's son, Paul, if there was man in black, he said, yeah, it's definitely man in black. Yep. I had so. them all over. Even when even when that Kathy Martin thing, when Barry Gaunt was around the MUFON, and I joined and paid them my dues and got that book, uh, they flew over Barry's house, and they flew over my house. But I had UFOs coming, and my neighbors said, you know, you had a UFO over your house? And they'd watch it. It was more than once. It, they'd said they'd get up in the morning and watch coffee. When they'd come over and pick me up, take me out in the UFO, I just couldn't believe it. But, I mean, I did believe it because I knew it happened. So I'd say, nah, y'all just making that up. <laughs> what, did did they, they ever pull up to you in a car or anything? Or the you men ever in black? See? Yeah. yeah. The men in black? Oh, yeah, but see, I was one. I was in oh. investigation intelligence. So remember, me and my husband were... I became investigator in school, and then uh, I was a woman in black, but I've written a story about it. But the men in black showed up in Hawaii, and when I used to do psychic readings, and Janet can tell you this, at the malls, but they'd show up and watch me because they, I had psychic ability. Now, I didn't know if it was from Diane or from the ETs. And but the men in black could come. To, I mean, they'd be in black suits. They want they intimidate you, and wearing this uh, black. And and I started wondering if they were who they worked for. So, but I got in trouble. <laughs> yeah, I, was, I imagine so. I get in intelligence because I worked in the Navy and I was doing classified, and I was working for race. I was working for the government at Raytheon, and I could remember nothing. I don't remember, but I was working for Spy Wars, and I found that a letter from 1988 working for Bechtel and Raytheon while I was in the Navy. 
sucked. But it was gone. It was gone. So what does that mean? So the men in black came in uh, one night to visit my husband, and I could see him in the bushes, and he wouldn't talk about it. Next thing I knew, we was going to Hawaii, and uh, the the men in black told him would meet with him. He was a GS thirteen. Anyway, he's dead now. But uh, I had to go meet Dolores Cannon for my ESP abilities and for uh, seeing because uh, I died and the ET people. So the government wanted to know what I wanted, to, what I knew, right? So they've always watched me, but I'm not <clears> paranoid <throat> or nothing. But they'll show up in black cars, and if if you see them, it's because they want you to see them. You never heard that? Well, I've heard it, and uh, I've always was curious that maybe they might be watching me. Oh yeah, but if they're watching you, you don't know it. Now they got well, they could always pick you up from satellites, right? So they don't right. have to, but if that's what I'm saying, if they're around you, that's because they want you to know. Because when I did classified, that was, I mean, you just, you you know, if you take it and you put it in a folder, if it's written and stuff, a yellow or, or a red one, that's when you work with classified. But, man, you and I should talk off air sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I like it. <laughs> we got some stuff we need to share. <laughs> But uh, so you didn't have no men in black all this time in your life. Well, you know, it's like you said. They don't. You won't see them, right? Yeah. Uh, I'm not. As far as I know, I never felt uncomfortable around uh, anybody that kind of matched that description or anything. So who knows? Yeah. Well, they well, that, if they're doing their job, you don't know it because I had that practice. I went to San Antonio. I learned how to go in and change clothes and come out looking like somebody else and so did my husband. I could be a man, and you'd never know it. And oh, I, really? Of course, I'm five, yeah, I'm 5'11". I weigh 230 right now. But those are uh, spycraft stuff you learn. The government teaches it to you. San Antonio, Texas sure did. And then you get, I did it in Washington, D.C., Langley area, and uh, what was that, Tyson Corners? Yeah, they teach you how to do all that stuff. <laughs> so I know spooks are real because I was one. <laughs> yeah. I went from being a, a, a law enforcement PI in Birmingham, Alabama, to working back in, for those attorneys, you know, and uh, with Reagan and Bush. And then I dated a Secret Service man. I dated FBI man. But uh, it was all – but see, if I put it together, it don't make sense. I'm wondering if all of it – see, what I'm trying to do is figure out how much of all this goes together. Like your two stories, right? You got two. I didn't even know you had two. So you and I both met Jay Allen Hynek. We both talked to Kathy Martin. You've been with Kathy Martin. Now, look at this. I talked to Stanton Friedman, but you met him in person. I met yeah. Jay Allen in person, but I never met Stan in person. Now, he wanted to meet me, and he asked me if I could meet him, but me and my husband were too scared to meet him. Uh, but we talked to him a lot on the phone uh, because we had that book, and he wanted Uh-huh. And, well, look uh, at all. Jesse Marcel, you know, we both. Got to meet him. Uh, you really met, now not the baby, not the baby. Uh, no, the old the man's the one I met. 
Me too. So we met the old man. Right. And what's that about? Did you tell Stanton Friedman you met the old man? No, because Stanton was before Jesse. I seen Stanton before I did Jesse, and then I met Jesse, and I didn't see Stanton no more. Except no, for on TV. Yeah. Now, Stanton, and now here these men in black were out there, and when they took me at midnight to meet Jesse Marcel. Now, Jesse said, you just missed, uh, I guess it was Stanton. Uh, I don't understand this. There's something going on that we're a part of. Now, here's what I've surmised, is there's ETCIA and there's military CIA. Or we'll say intelligence. Let's not say I, I won't. I won't say the alphabet suit, but I already did. <laughs> hmm. I will say the National Intelligence Agency because a lot of them don't know what the other one's doing, and they all fight over money and budget. Who's going to get the government money, right? But that's what's going on now. Yeah, yeah. So I think that different groups are behind trying to find out what we know and why us. But nobody more than us ourselves. But like you said, you sat on it. And I had to sit on it for years because I had to raise kids. So, And I was, my kids were scared to death. They'd come get them. So people, unless you've lived in this scary stuff, you you, you know, and you know you ain't going to make no money at it. You just want to live through it. <laughs> yeah. Well, anybody that thinks there's money in this, and, uh, you know, they, they're wrong. And I know. Like I say, I'm 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 not in it for the money. I'm in it for to find facts out. And I probably this month, when this month's over, I'm probably gonna be in my houseboat and gone. What you gonna do? I'm going off grid and living off grid for a while. But you know. I, I'm, as an investigator, right, it was, I right. would be assigned by an attorney to do something. They say, just get the facts. But when Stan and me was talking about, they asked me to go find out where the uh, UFO parts was. Jesse laughed to me because we sat at his coffee, t- uh, his table in his house, and uh, it was the Navy guy that took me. To see him, but I saw the men in black outside. But he told me we just missed the men in black, so to speak. But that was Stanton Friedman, I thought. But you uh-huh. know what? I never, I never talked to Stanton. I don't believe. Tell you the truth, I can't remember if I ever told him I met Jesse Marcel or not. I was so interested in him and what he was doing. He sent me books. He signed books and didn't charge me for it when he was at Roswell. Uh huh. Glenn Dennis, the the uh, care. I met Glenn Dennis. Uh, did you meet Glenn Dennis? And did you ever go to Roswell? No, I've never been to Roswell, and I hadn't. I hadn't met Glenn. I have Glenn a good Dennis. friend. Go ahead. They're going to invite me up up next year to speak, I believe. Wow, that'd be awesome. Now, yeah. uh, Glenn Dennis, and what was his name? Anyway, when I went in there, I was still secret. I was scared to tell anybody I need anything. But this lady, her name was Sally Hester. She worked there free. You know how you can work at 
like museums and stuff, Prue. And right. uh, she she said, okay, well, we'll just call you Rose. And I said, okay, why? She says, because you're wearing a rose. <laughs> <laughs> I was wearing a rose T-shirt. You know, I was driving trucks and stuff. Right. But she said, well, why do you have to meet Glenn Dennis? I said, well, because I'm supposed to. She said, why? So I told her a little bit. She showed me a picture on the wall of a UFO. And I said, well, that's not what they look like. <laughs> she said, well, that's what the artist said. But anyway, that's just the one I saw. But she went, okay. I had her go out and meet my husband. And uh, she uh, had, after I went in and talked to Glenn and her, and she said, I saved this guy's life because uh, I told you I had this little gift from me, too. But she said, yeah. if you had told that man that he was he needed to have his heart checked, he wouldn't have done it. And, you know, he had something wrong with his heart or something. But Sally Hester, she worked there. She was in charge of the museum library part-time. She took me in to meet Glenn Dennis. I must have talked to him an hour. He is the one that said, I really, you just missed Stanton Friedman. So you know who that is? I said, nope. And then later on, I put it together. But uh, I didn't know who he was talking about. But uh, I was telling him about Don Berliner because I'd gotten off the phone with Don Berliner. So when I talked to Stan, he asked me about Don because apparently they were on the odds, and I didn't know that over book sales or something. And Don even was worried about books, and that's not what I was talking to him about. But he would tell me to let him know because they were supposed – anyway, that's about – I won't go there because that's about books and all that, which don't have nothing to do with what we're talking about. But uh, I got to meet Glenn and tell him what I was told to tell him before he died because they told me he was going to – well, I shouldn't say things like that. But anyway, I know things before they're going to happen sometimes, and I can't explain it. So I'd, I've always been looking for why I could do it. And so I didn't know if it was because I died or the ET people. But the ET people have been around in my life, and, you know, some of them can use ESP and around you. And I went to a meeting with some ET people in Oklahoma, and they told me to sit there and not talk. And they talked, and I said, well, I thought y'all were going to talk. They said, we did, and I didn't hear them. So uh, I want to know how they do that. Yeah. How do they well, talk in front of you? And they're human, and they can sit there and talk, and you eat and not talk, and they have a discussion, and you can't hear it. How's that happen? I don't know. <laughs> you mentioned Majestic 12 a while ago. Now, what what is that Majestic 12? Well, from what I can understand from uh, the reading that I've done, that was the original group from back in the uh, paperclip days and the people that were running the show. And uh, I got that from uh, the papers that I started researching because uh, we had the book for going out in the field and uh, I knew certain people's names. And uh, see, my uncle... Well, he's who he called. He said he was my uncle, Strom Thurmond. When I went to Washington, D.C., and they did my polygraph and retina scan to be intelligence, they put his name in my polygraph, and I didn't say nothing to him. Why was that? They asked me, and, and I guess I read clean, that Senator Strom Thurmond was my uncle. 
But he was working on, he asked me, called me one day, he was doing genealogy and UFO business, but he asked me about, uh, well, field Corso kind of stuff and this stuff, had I seen it. So I got involved from being a little kid around ETs and uh, being picked up. So somehow he knew this. So I don't know how everybody knows anything. So I can't tell a straight story which aggravates me because I was trained to do investigations, just get the facts. And then I was trained in the Navy in the JAG office to get the facts. So to answer your question, the original Majestic 12 was from 12 members is the way I was trying to figure it out and find all of them in writing, and I think I did. But when uh, the Majestic 12 that he was wanting to know about was uh, I was called Magic, and uh, of course I'd been down to see. I don't think I told him I'd seen. Did I tell him? Yeah, I remember, basically we did. We were trying to put the timeline on. I think I told him I saw Jesse Marcel, but it was curiouser and curiouser. But he was wanting to know about Robert Wood. Did I know Robert Wood? I was like, what? So I didn't remember Robert Wood's name, but I met Bill. This was back in 2006, and then 2007, he got he got me with Canada. That's how he talked me into writing, and so he just wanted me to write anything that came to my mind and put it for uh, Dirt Vanderplug. And then get this, Kevin Smith, I went on his radio show to get something documented, and uh, – Kevin Smith told me he was in a secret police, and he knew all about me. And he was in Monroe, Louisiana. He was a sheriff there, and then he died. And then uh, my publisher died. That guy that uh, Stanton told me to talk to. So they were tr- Stanton was trying to get me to come out, but I was too secretive, and he couldn't use my name or nothing. And neither could Sally Hester. So Sally Hester wrote a book. And told me to publish it. She said she talked to Jesus and in her mind that I could publish it. So I did, but it was under pseudonyms or false names. So we put the story out there for her. She wanted to put that out there to help the museum. (laughs) But uh, that Majestic 12 was the original back in the day in 43 and 47. Now, the CIA got involved in 47, and they were something before that. And I used to write all that and put it in books, but I've forgotten it already. But parts of it, uh, Stanton sent me a bunch of emails and letters, and he said I could use them because we were going to do a book, but he was doing one with Kathy Martin. Matter of fact, I think he did two with Kathy. But uh, – now, these people knew the truth. They worked when the Roswell crash happened. But see, Ronald Reagan wanted to know the truth. And uh, do you know we had some of those pieces in Denver, Colorado? Me and my from husband. The Ro- from, the yeah, from the Roswell crash? Yep. Underneath what? the gr- uh, building at the uh, U.S. – what's it called? U.S. Treasury building? Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh, and I took some parts to Dayton as a truck driver. See, they had me and my husband. We had clearances from being in the government. So 
this story is real complicated. But I wonder because here's what I'm trying to figure out. So Strom Thurmond was doing his genealogy and called me about UFOs and Philip Corso. And then they sent me to uh, different places. Why? And I remember being at Texas Instrument and everybody looking at me really weird. And when I was in the Navy and I went in the Navy Reserves, I'd walk into a room and they would look really weird at me. But you could tell I was involved in something that I didn't know about because I didn't know. I didn't know. And so I've learned all my life the reason I never know anything is I have to find it out for myself. (laughs) They put me in these positions, Calvin, and I have to find it out for myself. But I don't know who's pulling the strings. But for you, you're okay now, right? You just know that there's beings out there that are interested in your physical body. Yeah, and... uh... I've learned to accept that, and I don't let it drive me crazy anymore. Up until well, then, I, though, yeah, it was, it's it been a bad crazy. ride. So you do know what it feels like to be worried that something don't fit right. It just don't make sense. And people aren't yeah. going to believe you anyway. So why even talk about it? Plus, I would get fired if I talked about it. Especially if I went to any of those UFO things. Ooh, lordy. You know what I'm saying? You're not allowed to oh, do yeah. that. Kind of so, well, uh, I, what? The good thing about it, when I retired, uh, then I didn't have to worry about getting fired no more. And that was one reason that I bought my own company, construction company and all. How'd you get the money? That's expensive, ain't it? Or did you start it yeah. from like doing construction? No, I come up with the money and uh, got into pipeline company. The main ah, thing, I went and got the, does the pipeline. Really? Yep. Houston. Texas. I went and got the contracts, and once you get the contracts in, it's no trouble to borrow the money, get your equipment. And, Oh, you got to work first and walked into a bank and said, I need money. This shit ain't funny. (laughs) Right. I just got a license and been on a job. I didn't have all. I didn't have nothing to do it with. I didn't even have the money to do it. I been on a job and won the contract. And then I took the contract, went to the bank, and you can get anything you want from them then. So they would make payrolls and get my equipment and all. I got to run a corporation. I got offered five million, and I took it up to five and a half million, and I didn't take it. And uh, this guy threw me. He just sold his Pepsi deal in Atlanta, and he wanted uh-huh. to buy my company. He flew me to Canada where he was, and uh, he wanted to buy my company. Offered me five and a half million cash, and mm. I walked away from it. I walked away. With, Turned out it's the dumbest thing I ever did. Uh, but I didn't know it at the time. I thought I was just getting started. You know, I was just starting a company. Right. And I walked. I had to walk away from everything because of my husband and my partner and everybody wanted what I had. and It was crazy. But I got to go to Spain and Portugal. And uh, anyway, it was like the, I had the extraterrestrial, the ET, psychic stuff. And the Majestic 12 stuff and Diane and ET stuff. 
all of that. It didn't really get curious with until Stanton got involved. For some right. reason, once Stanton got involved, it made more sense. I can't explain it, but he wanted me to go public. So he got me with uh, Philip, what was his name, like Philip Mantle. You know how you had Philip Mantle find you? Uh-huh. This guy, my Philip Mantle was Dirk Vanderplug. So he had yeah. Dirk Vanderplug because I think they both lived in Canada. And uh, I guess, I don't know what they're, but he, uh, it was Stan Friedman, Philip Vanderplug, and George Fowler. Now, George Fowler put my husband's name, Sergeant Morris, in his presentation I saw on TV. Or you know how you go to uh, YouTube? Uh, I've got this big TV in my room and on uh, YouTube. It had George Fowler, and he talked about my husband finding the ETs. In his, huh. and, but he acted like I was some kind of wacky woman in his story. He didn't mention my name, but he did mention the woman that said she was supposed to be protecting him or not supposed to keep him from saying the story. What it was is my husband always uh, thought of me and him like he was paranoid of me and I was paranoid of him. So I'll have to tell you that story someday off the air or something, or we'll have you back. But uh, it's a long story. We met in Africa, but we weren't supposed to know it, and we find out later. So we don't know if the ET put us together or if the uh, government did. So, because uh, like you said, they look like humans, right? You did right. say that. Me too. So they, when we were on the ship, they looked like humans. Now, some they had five fingers, and they would sometimes come down here and have to have one removed to work with us on the ground. Isn't that something? Oh, yeah. So remember I said uh, later on we'd talk about mine, but I did a lot on the last, but you asked me a question about Majestic 12. Anyway, uh-huh. that was the uh, people that was trying to find out what we knew and and uh, who was orchestrating the ETs or the military because the military don't know either. They're all uh, got their piece of the pie, the uh, Army, the Navy, the Air Force, Marines, and the intelligence agency, and I've I've – Dated NSA guys and anyway, all the alphabet soup trying to find out stuff. Even that Bigelow guy that was putting those marshmallow things that you live in in the space was trying yeah. to find out from Barry Gaunt. Barry was uh, working one of his star investigators. That's why the men in black showed up over that Bigelow dude. But see, we didn't know if uh, it was his men. Time to find out. He was working for the government. You know what I'm saying? We thought he was work. Uh, at least I did. I didn't know who he was. Barry Gaunt told me that those men in black came to his door and over the helicopters, based on Bigelow. So he got out of the Star Team. He was. He told me he was leaving the Star Team over Bigelow. But uh, Bigelow apparently. Now this is what I've heard from Jan Aldrich. Jan is an archivist, sort of like me, trying to find. The paperwork part trail out to match the dates because Stan Friedman, uh, when he came on, everybody was trying to find out the timelines. And they had this bird group. Uh, everybody had a code name. And uh, I was always on the outside. I didn't, I didn't understand. 
but uh, Stanton was trying to get me to plug in the book, All he, and I wouldn't give it to him. <laughs> I think uh, Linda Moulton Howe got one. You know who she is? Uh, yeah, I did a show with Linda Moulton Howe. She, she's a tough investigator now. She, uh, she goes she got after, one of them books. She must yeah. be harder than Stanton couldn't get it out of my hands. So she got it somehow. I don't know if it's mine because mine disappeared. <laughs> my le- my electricity's blinking if we get cut off here. Uh oh, are you on your boat? No, uh, I'm at the house, but for some reason it's it's blinking on and off. Uh, okay. Well, they get on my phone sometimes, yeah, cyberspace, and tell people. And uh-huh. uh, I've just gotten used to it. But yeah, they'll mess with your electric. But it's time for us to get off. They're probably letting you know we've done run out of the recording. But they're still oh. letting us record. But we're out of, uh, yeah, you're not used to working with the military people at all or the NSA or none of those no. people? You no, are, mate. you just don't know it. They all like to know what you know. See, they're still trying to find out, too. I believe that. I believe they don't have all the answers. I really believe that. So they track no. people like this. I'm like you. I believe that too, you know, so. Well, can we talk again sometime? This would be for people that are tracking us. But I'm, I'm my, now that my daughter's passed, I had to wait till the time was right, till I was brave enough to talk to you. You can ask We're them good. that. Mad, I've told people, but uh, Janet will tell you she had you on. I talked about you. She had you on. A bad painter had you on. And I just. Yeah. It, not until well, you told me a date, but isn't that odd? Remember, did you think I, I disappeared on you? <laughs> you? You know, you got my contact information, so just let me know when you want to do it again. I'm, I'll be more than happy to come on and do it. Well, let's figure out, think of some questions you got. Let's compare notes. But okay. think of some questions. Think about this. We both met Jesse Marcel. We both, well, you met State. I didn't meet Stan. We both talked to Kathy Martin. That's three main players right there. Right. Kathy, Jesse Marcel, Philip Mantle, and I don't know who else we know. Oh, you went to the IUFO Congress. Janet did, and I've talked. uh, No, I never talked to him. Who who did you meet that uh, got you to come over there? He has a radio show, doesn't he? Alejandro... That's, yeah, see, you knew exactly who I was talking about. Did you meet him? Yeah. Yeah. I've never met him. I like Alejandro. Alejandro Rojas, right? Yeah. Now, I know his name, but I've never talked to him. Now, I talked to his partner, a girl, because they wanted me to come over there with Janet. And Or maybe I did talk to Alejandro, because I remember him saying talk to Janet. I must have talked to him on the phone. So there's another person, but I never went. I was still uh, not ready. Uh, you know what it's like when you said when it's time? Everybody's yeah. on a timeline, and you can't control it. So you right. and I finally got started. But see, now I've already found out you went and did it, and you were older than me. Now, you were born in 48? Uh, no, no. Uh, 54. You were born when? 54. 
Oh, okay. You're younger uh, than me. Hold on. Hey, John, I'm still home, but I got to go get my daughter. But Calvin's okay. still on. But John Shaughnessy, meet Calvin. Calvin, this here's John Shaughnessy. Hey, John. Hello, How you Calvin. doing? All right. All right. Living the dream, right? I know. Living the dream, buddy. <laughs> I'm fixing to have to get out here and go live it myself for a minute. There you go. There you go. Every day is a blessing. There you go. John, yeah. John's, I just got came across John, but we may have talked before about pyramids, but he's did a book on pyramids and moon. Now, Calvin Parker, everybody came out with a second book. Now, yeah. name your book, Calvin, and we'll get off of here, and I'm going to go book John to come on this show. But your second book is, what's that name, Calvin? Um. Shoot, I draw the blank right there. Past Pagula, the story continues, and you can get it through Amazon. Is it already out? It, it comes out the first of the month. John, write that nice. down. Nice. And we'll, nice. Yeah. So we're all authors, but uh, mine, Calvin, is called, uh, what is mine called? Uh, it's a real story. What is, uh, John, what did I tell you my book was? Do you remember? Uh, uh, yeah, I just feel like you remember mine. <laughs> Shoot. Uh, yeah, yeah, I forget which one. Yeah, I, I went online and uh, read read some of the uh, read some of it. Anyways, yeah, it was on uh, Amazon. Okay, it's Kindle. On the- yeah, it was Kindle. Yeah. But anyway, we're all. At, what's the name? Uh, yeah. Calvin's is Calvin Parker. Wait, that's not the name of your book, is it? Calvin Pasquale? Well, uh, the, the, the past, uh, the first Close one is, uh, What's the first one? Well, I draw the blank <laughs> on that one, too. I've been working on this second one so long. long. Wait a minute. Pasquale, <laughs> the closest encounter of my story, Calvin Parker. Closest encounter. This is yeah. Pascagoula. Okay. Is Pascagoula the first? Okay, that's the name. So by yeah, Calvin the closest Parker. encounter, my story, Calvin Parker. And then okay. the second one okay. is uh, Pascagoula, the story continues. Pascagoula, the story continues. Okay. Uh-huh. And I'll try to, I'll try, but Calvin, you rub it off of me. I get really southern talking to you, but let's do it again. But that's just normal for me. They they don't know I try to have a radio voice. When huh. I was in the military, I didn't have an accent. I got rid of it. But you have to work really, really hard to not have an accent. But Calvin, okay. can we do this again? I know you're busy, and I'm going to try to come over there October 18th and get me a signed copy of your book. So you got well, some, right, Calvin? Well, oh, yeah, there'll be some there, and I'll be there. It starts at 5 o'clock. Where's that? Uh, Main Street, past Pagula. I mean, uh, DeMar Street. They go shut the whole street down. And what? Yeah, they shut oh. the whole street down, DeMoss. And then they going to have uh, food and everything else, the restaurants are staying open. It's going to be a big deal. Then on the 19th, I'm judging, judging a barbecue. It? What's it called, though, that day in Pascadoula? What y'all celebrating? Uh, I think it's uh, Allied Command Odyssey, right? That's the name of your book? Yeah. Uh, oh, that, that's my book, Calvin. Yeah, okay. Allied Command Odyssey. 
Allied Command Odyssey. Now, what what's this this here? I can bring my book to you. I'll I'll have to order one. I'll order you one, yeah. and uh, I'll get one, and I'll sign it, and you you can have it, and I'll come get one of yours. But okay. What's the what's this big shindig? Am I, I coming well, they, to um, October? They're celebrating. Uh, where they put the historical marker, I'm going to be doing tours on the site. They got a little train. I'm going to take everybody out on the train. Uh, it's just a celebration for me, really. Yeah. They do it on the anniversary every year. No way. Except they couldn't do it on the 11th this year because they didn't have permission to shut the streets down. So they moved it to the 18th where they could shut, shut the streets down. Wow. Nice. Did you hear that, John? They're going to shut the street down. That's nice, yeah. Whoa, Calvin. There you go. You made it. You made it big time, Calvin. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love it. I love the people here. I didn't know you was that important. What is that? I'm not not important, but they just need something to do. Yeah, no, they like New Orleans. They try to celebrate what they can. You put well, Pascagoula I, I, on the map. Ain't nobody ever heard of Pascagoula I, until I, you come along. You know what I'm saying? So I, that was back. I told you I heard about it back when my baby was in my stomach. Mm-hmm. So that was in January 74, right? Right. No, October 11th of 73. Oh, wait. Yeah, but I had her January twenty seventh, seventy four. Seventy four, right? So, so that it was known by Christmas, surely. What happened to you? People was talking about it. Oh yeah. It. Well, look, wow. I I gotta oh, run. Get back okay. in touch. You know how to get in touch with me, and we'll set up another one. You want me to call your phone number? Yeah. I'll email okay. you. I'll email you two phone numbers. All right, now I got permission to grab your pictures and your books and put them on my websites, right? Absolutely. Put any pictures up there you want that I have. All right. And can you Three. get me a poster and email me or take a photo of a copy of your day for Pascacula and I'll promote it on my websites? Absolutely. Or, I'll do that. Is it Calvin Parker Pascacula Closest Encounter Day? Is that yeah, like I get, Highway Day? ET, I you know, so. Nevada. I see what they're going to call it. Okay. I want to come be there. I wish I had camera equipment, but there'll be people taking pictures. You'll you'll have the local TV show, but I'll just come over and be a nobody. I'm good at that. (laughs) No, you'll be a somebody. There won't be no trouble to find me. I I appreciate it. I'm going to have to get out of here, though. Good night. Thank Thank you, you, Calvin. Look forward to it. Looking forward to it again. Bye-bye. Okay, everybody, we have to uh, go now, so thank you, everybody, and it was very informal, but uh, wow, Calvin's got something to say, so I hope y'all can hear me. Oh, no, I've got to shut, hold on, i got something to tell hold on, John, gosh, I'm on the wrong phone, <laughs> this is embarrassing. Okay, good night, everybody. Uh, thank you very much. This was for Calvin Parker. They're going to shut down uh, the whole street. 
And that's going to be on, did he say October 18th? He did. So uh, October 18th. John, when can you come on? And, and I'll tell him real quick so we can prepare. Uh, any time you got an opening, I'm, I'm free, uh, you know. Yeah, but this uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday this week, i got to get you on for October. Uh, yeah, yeah, Friday, yeah, I can go on tomorrow, well, tomorrow's Friday, so yeah. I can do it tomorrow night, yeah. Okay, so tomorrow yeah. night we'll do John Shaughnessy, and then we'll have him back, too, when we're more formalized. So let's do Friday right. night with John Shaughnessy, and uh, we'll talk about, i got to go pick up my daughter now. All right, love and light, everybody. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you, Calvin. You were great, and we can't, I look forward to it. All right, let's do a little music here. Let's see if this will play and get off of here. Oh, no, 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 no. Is it? Can you hear any music? Oh, you're not on the oh, no. There it goes. Okay, there you go. There you go. 